0: You're listening to hashtag no filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self improvement addict, and a host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at just plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, just go and give us a follow at no filter with Zach on the Instagram, or you can always join our our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. If you're watching this on the YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button, give it a like, leave a comment because I love that validation. And don't forget to hit that little bell button for notifications that you're always getting notified when there is fresh tea to be spilled like today. It is still summer and I hope right now on this Monday or whatever day you're listening to this week's podcast that you are enjoying some of my no-filter wine, my no-filter rosé. It is going to get you litty city all summer long, but there's less than a gram of sugar in it, so you're not going to be hurting tomorrow. I can promise you that. These are strong. These babies pack a punch and I will be launching an all-new Potomac can very, very soon. We have one inspired by Real Housewives of Atlanta, New York, Beverly Hills, and New Jersey. The one I've got here today says now tell me who gon' check me boo because that's the vibe that I've got going in on this week's podcast I almost said in studio but I'm not in studio right now I'm in my apartment taping but I am going to be taping again in studio very soon I did with Harry Jousey and there will be, hopefully be more studio sessions to come and lots more good guests to come I had Gigi Nessa from Shaws of Sunset. She is on the show this Wednesday. We had a very, very good interview. Lots of laughs. Um, and she is she gets a little feisty with me, and I like it. I like it. And she spills a lot of good Shaws of Sunset dish. So you're gonna want to tune into that this Wednesday on hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. And like I said, if you haven't done so yet, please stock up on some No Filter wine at NoFilterWine.com. These cans are gonna get you real turned and you're going to be loving it all summer long. Please send me your pics that I can repost them. I love to share all of that love with you guys. As I mentioned, Book Club, our Bravo Book Club, is going to be starting up on August 24th. We are going to start with Dorinda Medley's new book, uh, Make It Nice. That's her new book. It comes out on August 17th, this Tuesday. So you're going to want to order yourself a copy. And then we'll be breaking down. I th- So the book itself is only nine chapters. So I think we'll do three chapters a week. So starting on August 24th, we will be breaking down the first three chapters. We're going to go live on our Instagram account at Zach, And we're going to talk about the book. And it is a good book. I'm actually really enjoying and appreciating it. I've been reading it because Dorinda is going to be on my podcast next week. But it's actually a really, really good read. So get your copy of Make It Nice by Dorinda Medley right now. I do have a link in the description below if you want to order it so that you can join book club with all of us. Wow, I just realized I have a LaQua sitting there in the back. I should have cleaned up the, the setting a little bit, but you can tell it's it's Monday. But yes, get your copy of Make It Nice by Dorinda Medley. I do have a an Amazon link below you, that you can order the book from. It is an affiliate link, so I'm disclosing that I do make a little percentage of that. It doesn't charge you anymore, but I get a percentage of that referral. So I just want to disclose all of that. So if you want to support the podcast, go and buy Dorinda's book. And let's start off Book Club August 24th. All right, we have so much tea to spill. There is a new Housewives spinoff coming to Peacock. Um, Ronald Richards has been tweeting up a storm with some other stuff. We have more Girardi tea. He's refusing to testify in court and we'll we'll break that down. Some new Real Housewives of New York casting tea. Salt Lake City trailer. Lots of good stuff that we're going to be breaking down. So where should we start? Why don't we start with, with Peacock? So there is a new Peacock show. So we know that there was the Housewives vacation mashup show where we had Teresa and Melissa from Jersey. We had Kyle from Beverly Hills. We had Luann and Ramona from New York. And then from Atlanta, we had Kenya Moore and Cynthia, Cynthia Bailey. And everyone was kind of like, "Mm, that sounds like it's going to be kind of boring. It doesn't seem like a really exciting cast. Why do we have Cynthia? Why do we have Kyle? Why do we have Melissa Gorga? Jan. But that show is already filmed. We have yet to see a trailer. We have yet to have an air date for that. I would presume it would air probably sometime in September because nobody's really going to want to watch a vacation show in like October through the end of the year. I think September makes the most sense, especially if it's only going to be a few episodes. But now there are rumors that there is another mashup series that is going to be coming. It's not going to be like a tropical vacation series, but it is going to be a Housewives mashup. And it's apparently going to be anchored by none other than Miss Dorinda Medley. We know that she is back in Bravo's Good Graces. Now that she was on Watch What Happens Live, she has her book coming out. She talks about her being put on pause by the network in the book. It's actually a really good book. I am not just saying that because I want you guys to buy it. I actually am thoroughly enjoying it. It's really fun. It's not as I'm only halfway through it. It's not as like super like uh, housewivesy juicy. A little bit at the in the first chapter, but. Um, it's actually like you really get to know her and she's a really great storyteller so i'm appreciating the read but yes so in this new mashup series we have dorinda medley that's supposed to be anchoring the show we have vicky gunvalson from real housewives of orange county we have phaedra parks from real housewives of atlanta we have brandy glanville from real housewives of beverly hills we have taylor armstrong another og from real housewives of beverly hills and then we have jill zarin an og from the real housewives of new york none of these women are currently on any of the shows. So I think this was like a former Housewives mashup that Bravo was trying to do. They haven't officially announced it as like an all stars. Originally, people were saying that this was going to be like a second season to their all star series. I don't know if they're doing that show in seasons. It looks like they're just doing different series of that mashup batch. So I don't think this is necessarily a second season as much of it as much as it's going to be its own spin-off series what it's actually going to be called is still up in the air the original mashup series or all-star series all-stars is what we all the fans have been calling it but that has yet to have like an official title the title hasn't been solidified yet i know they were thinking of calling it mashup which I think is just a terrible name. But once it takes off, probably we'll all just start referencing it by mashup. But as of right now, we're still all calling it All-Stars. And so I know some people would like, oh, well, this new cast with Dorinda and Brandy and Jill and Phaedra and Vicky, these, are, you know, these aren't the All-Stars, these are the rejects. And I mean, yeah, they, uh, you know, they are the ones that definitely want back on The Housewives that probably won't be getting a contract anytime soon, with exception for Dorinda. I think they may actually try to bring Dorinda back, and I actually think she'll do it. I think she loves the show so much that she would be willing to do the Peacock series. And that was part of, that was probably part of, like, her condition or her... um, a condition for her to be brought back onto Housewives is if she did this mash, mashup series, because Bravo knew that she definitely is a fan favorite. And if anybody could anchor one of these shows, it could definitely be Dorinda. Cause I don't think there really was an anchor on the vacation show that they taped with Kyle and Dorinda, Kyle and Ramona and Luann and Teresa and Kenya like I just I don't know I don't think that, that was a very good mix. I don't think there was going to be any real cohesion. At least with this cast, you know there's going to be drama, you know there's going to be scandal, you know there's going to be lots of like f-bombs and there's likely to be a fight and Dorinda's going to make it nice and it just to me I'm excited about this new mashup series than I am about the original cuz the original kind of looks like a snorf snorfest tbh. So there's that. We don't know when it's when it'll actually be airing. I would assume this will probably air like in December. Um I think the original mashup series will come in September and I would envision this one will come before the end of the year likely December ish. We'll see. I don't have any confirmation of that. I don't have any sources with that. I'm just that's my own independent prediction. Let's talk about Ronald Richards, aka Ronald McDonald, because he has been tweeting up a storm lately. And of course, if he's tweeting stuff, you're sending it to me and you're like, what is going on? What is Ronald Richards tweeting about now? So yesterday he tweeted um, on his Twitter account update on Lisa Renna and Erica Jane. We can confirm that Lisa actually referred Erica Girardi to her current business manager. There's a high level of trust between them. Lisa Renna is defending her publicly. We will also confirmed that the receivable owed by EJ Global is based on value received. Okay, so we will braid. There are two parts to that tweet, and I don't necessarily think that they connect necessarily, but okay, so here's what we do know Does Lisa Rinna and Erica Jane have the same manager? Yes, it is Michael Ullman. Is it really that shocking that they share a manager? No, I shared this on the on my Instagram story last night, basically saying that how it works here with representation in the entertainment industry, because I actually interviewed I um, was represented by. A3, which was formerly Abrams Artist Agency, their podcast division. And so I interviewed my podcast agent, I believe February 2020 is when the interview came out or around that time is when the interview came out about how to get an agent, what's the difference between agents and managers. So I kind of got the scoop on how that whole world works. And so a lot of people come to LA or come to Hollywood and they send in their headshots, they send in their resumes, they try to get an agent, they try to get a manager. Some people don't even know the difference between agents and managers. But basically, and a lot of agencies, a lot of the big ones, like the one that reps Rinna and Erica, they don't take they their websites usually say we don't accept unsolicited inquiries or unsolicited submissions. So this basically means that the only way to get representation through these big entertainment firms or yeah agencies or management companies is through referrals. So talent either refers other talent or sometimes agents will refer other talent. So like me, when I came into A3, it was a referral from another agent that referred me over to an, an agent in the podcast division that was like, hey, This looks like a really good podcast. You should look into this. I think you guys should take a meeting. So you have to be referred. If I were to send out cold calls to random agents that I had no pre-established relationship with or had relationships with somebody that could refer me, I likely wouldn't get representation because I don't believe that they're allowed to like accept those types of inquiries. I mean, the interview, it was on the adulting podcast. I did it last year, early in last year, like at the beginning of all the the COVID stuff um, or the beginning of the lockdowns. But, and I haven't listened to it since then, but you, they're not allowed to accept any submissions that come in from talent themselves. There has to be a referral. So it's not uncommon for talent to refer other talent to a manager or an agent. So Erica was also brought on a couple years ago. It wasn't even anything recently or anything like I want to say even pre I want to say it was like five years ago that Erica ended up getting represent representation by Michael. And I believe it's UTA. Don't quote me on that because I didn't put that in my notes, but I believe they're both repped by UTA, which is a really big Podcast agency, or sorry, not a podcast agency, but it's a really big talent agency. So, again, it's not uncommon. A lot of people share the same uh, managers, they share the same agents, they share the same publicists. Lisa Renna and Denise Richards both share the same publicist, Jill Fritzo. Brandi Glanville and Denise Richards also both shared the same agent. So, it's like it's not uncommon. And just because two people are represented by the same party doesn't necessarily mean that there is a big connection. Now, I mean, I guess it was a bad example to bring up Brandy and Denise only because I believe Brandy I don't think Brandy had anything to do with Denise being cast on the show because they've been trying to get Denise on on Beverly Hills for a while, but I do believe that they kind of that their agent tried to, you know, get them both on the show at the same time because they were both his clients. So yes, there are conditions like that where, you know, if an agent represents multiple clients in the same category, sometimes there are opportunities for both of them. But what I'm basically getting at is it's not uncommon, and it's it's not a red flag to me that Lisa Rinna referred Erica to her her talent manager. Like to me, that's not shocking, nor is that much of a big. Deal. It doesn't mean anything essentially. And then the second part of of Ronald's tweet was about the um, receivables. So he said, "We will also confirm that the receivable owed by EJ Global is based on value received." And so how I interpret that tweet, because again, one thing that I don't really love about Ronald Richards, I used to really like him as a credible source at the beginning of all of this. I had him on my show. Like I need to preface that he was a really good, reliable source. And then I think when a lot of the attention started to come and he got fans and, you know, he saw that he was getting picked up in the press, now his tweets are really just a lot of speculation that don't actually mean anything. And so basically what I... I'm interpreting that last part of the tweet, which doesn't seem to be related to Lisa Rinna at all, at least not directly. And there has yet to be any proof that that Erica actually invested into Rinna Beauty. And I know Lisa Rinna on Watch What Happens Live disputed that rumor and said that that's absolutely false, that Erica did not invest in her company at all. And again, I'm not a Lisa Rinna fan or an Erica Jane fan. I'm not not a fan. I just, I look at the cast. I'm not a stan for any of them. I'm not a diehard for any of them. These are the two that just happen to be brought up by Ronald Richardson. That's the only reason we're talking about it. But so when we're talking about the receivable that's owed, that is the, so to instead of, Tom giving Erica's company, EJ Global, money directly. And this was part of my original theory of what I thought was happening with that $20 to $25 million loan that is speculated or that is assumed or that we think went to EJ Global from Girardi Keyes. It's basically saying that instead of giving cash transfers... It was done, the money was given in value received. So instead of him, for example, giving her $100 to pay for her glam squad, he was paying the glam squad directly and then writing that off as a loan that was given to EJ Global. So it was just the value of what was received at EJ Global, not necessarily the exact money and dollar amount. Ronald has yet to clarify any of that but then yet again Ronald has yet to show anything to be honest and that's why I've stopped really relying on him as a source altogether because it's a lot of vague insinuations it's a lot of you know vague implications it's a lot of speculation but there's no real merit to any of it you know I even said that I looked into the you know whether or not EJ Global or Erica or the Pretty Mess LLC, if any of that was an investor for Renna Beauty. And I couldn't find like, I don't know what paper trail he's talking about necessarily, but there doesn't seem to be one. And I feel like the reason he keeps bringing these things up and throwing them out there is because he doesn't really have anything. I mean it's been what 7 8 months now since the LA Times article broke out in the press where it really looked incriminating for Erica Jane and yet we still have yet to see any proof that she had any involvement in Tom's business directly there's no paper trail there's no money trail as far as I'm aware she has already turned over her books to the investigation whether or not they found anything I think that's part probably why Ron Richards continues to tweet out this stuff is cuz he hasn't really found anything, and he isn't really able to prove anything, and that's why he has to keep throwing out these wild accusations that don't really mean anything, but they get him attention, and they get him press pickups, and they get him um, just people being like, yeah, people that want to see Erica burn at the stake. If she's going to burn at the stake, she's going to burn at the stake. I'm not trying to prevent her from burning at the stake. I just... I'd want to see if she's guilty before we burn her at the stake. And we have yet to actually see any documentation or paper trail or anything. None of that has been released. So it's all kind of still up in the air. And we think that this is happening, but we don't have any proof of it. Another thing that I keep seeing people send me is the letter. And this is what got press pickup is the letter that he sent out to Bravo and to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills production company, which people, I think, misinterpreted it as him requesting unaired footage. But that's not actually what the letter was. The letter basically said it was a letter that he sent to the network and to the production companies that produce Real Housewives of Beverly Hills saying, in the event that we need the footage, make sure you have the footage ready. Which tells me that we haven't yet reached the event where they need access or where the judge has allowed authorization for them to request unaired footage from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So, what does the letter mean? The letter doesn't mean anything. It's another attention seeking tactic, it's smoke in mirrors. And it's just like, it's disappointing for me because, again, that's somebody that I gave a platform to a few months ago on my show that I thought was a reliable source because. This is somebody that was really investigating the the whole Girardi scandal and supporting and helping the bankruptcy. But there is yet to be any actual information that has come out of any of this. And I get it. You know, you want to you don't want to show all your hands to the public. But at the same time, when you're constantly tweeting all of these things, it shows that you don't you're not really afraid to show your hand because you're throwing out all these big accusations. If he had something, I'm pretty sure he would be sharing or tweeting it. He tweets about everything else and everyone else. So, the Lisa Rinna and Erica Jane stuff doesn't, other than them being good friends and Lisa Rinna defending her friend, which I think if any of us were in a similar situation, our friend was like, I'm innocent, I think we would probably want to believe our friend, whether or not that's the truth or the reality is still yet to be determined. But I think, you know, if I had a friend that was in the position that Erica was in, I can understand being loyal to my friend. And if they really are having conversations and questions are being answered or not being answered, I don't know, that's their friendship and... To be honest, I don't really care about their friendship if it's not in any way related to the scandal itself with Tom Girardi, who, again, is the main person that we should be focusing on. But so when it comes to him requesting the footage, he hasn't actually officially requested the footage. He just told Bravo, hey, just in case I need the footage, make sure you have it ready, the unaired footage. Just make sure you have it ready. I don't even think Bravo's responded. They're probably like, okay, cool. But I don't think they've... To my knowledge, they haven't like officially said, you know, or or maybe they have say that they're willing to cooperate should they need to cooperate. But as of yet, I don't believe there's been any official request to have Bravo cooperate. So. You know, it was also like when Ronald Richards was saying, oh, we're going to use what Erica says against her on the show. We're going to use that. We're going to use whatever she says on the show and we can use it against her. And then he was on Heather McDonald's podcast and he was even on my podcast saying that he can't use whatever she says on the show because all that matters is whatever she says when she's under oath. So, you know, again, it's like these big, buzzy statements that are made very, interestingly worded because again it like implies something but it doesn't directly show him making an accusation of anything so that's what we also have to be very mindful of is that the wording of it all is very intentional i believe it's very intentional and it's part of a attention-seeking tactic now Lisa Renna is irrelevant to the Girardi stuff. Um, Erica Jane is relevant. She's been investigated. But now there are two other players, and I talked about this on Thursday's Instagram Live. So every Thursday night, we all go live together on the Instagram, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, 9.30 Eastern. We go live on Instagram. I talked about it there, so this may be a little bit repetitive if you guys tuned into the Thursday Live, but I'm just going to briefly recap it for anybody that may have missed that. We have two former partners of Girardi Keese that are now being dragged into all of this uh, or being dragged into the Lion Air lawsuit. So they were apparently two lawyers that worked on the Lion Air case and have since departed from the law firm. Uh, the first one is David Lira, who happens to be Tom Girardi's son-in-law. And then the second one is Keith Griffin. These are both former partners at Girardi Keys. They're neither neither gentleman is with Girardi Keese anymore. So there is a they have a contempt hearing or sorry, a contempt proceeding that's happening to see if they were involved in the missing funds from the Lion Air case. So this was the 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 widows and orphans that are being referred to in the Lion Air case. That's the big lawsuit that kind of really pulled the card and kept the, and, you know, had the whole house of cards fall down in the whole Ponzi, alleged Ponzi scheme. However, you know, you want to classify the entire scandal that Tom Droherty has been a part of. Um, They're trying to see if David and Keith have any sort of legal responsibility. They're saying that they, tried to get Tom to pay up. They said that they wanted him to pay the settlement money, but he wasn't for whatever reason. They also said they had zero control over the funds. They didn't have access to the funds. That was all Tom Girardi. He's the one that was in charge of the money. They tried to get him to pay up the settlement money, and they said he didn't or refused to. David Lear also says that this is what led to a big blowout between him and Tom, and part of the reason he ended up leaving the law firm which tells me that he probably knows a lot about Tom Girardi not paying his clients. If you had a blow up over a specific case where clients weren't paid, that says a lot to me. But both Lyra and Griffin are saying, we told Tom to pay. We didn't have access to the funds. Tom didn't pay. The victims are saying that, okay, maybe Lyra and Griffin didn't have access to those funds But they should still be held accountable because they knew that Tom was withholding those funds and they should have at least reported it. And they didn't. So they failed to do their duty to the clients by not reporting Tom Girardi. Yes, they left the firm probably because they saw a history of this type of stuff going on with Tom and they didn't want to be dragged down with him, especially if David Lira, who is Tom's son-in-law, did have a blowout with him and left the company over Tom, not paying the settlement money or holding on to the settlement money. It shows that David probably has a lot of information into this embezzlement scheme that had been going on for, at this point, three decades. So we'll see what happens with them. Now, Tom Girardi... And Tom's bookkeeper were both or are both potentially going to be called into court to testify during these contempt proceedings. But Tom's lawyer has already said that Tom, that you can try to bring Tom and put him on the stand, but he's not going to say anything. He's going to plead the fifth. I would think it would be smart for him to speak because then he could also incriminate David and Keith. David Lira and Keith Griffin and be like, hey, they were culpable. They were a part of this scandal. It doesn't seem like like David or Keith have any loyalty to Tom at this point. So I would think it would help Tom's case to bring them down with him because now it just looks like the opposite. But in, in order for Tom to bring them down with him, Tom would then have to admit some sort of guilt. And I believe part of his le- his legal strategy is to not admit any guilt and to just kind of be like, I'm not of sound mind. I'm not mentally competent to do any of this nor be held accountable because, as we know, they can't take any legal action or file any criminal charges against somebody that is mentally incapacitated or a lawyer that's mentally incapacitated. He has voluntarily given up his law license. The California State Bar did not remove that. He voluntarily gave that up because he was under conservatorship with his brother or from his brother. How do you say that? Under conservatorship by his brother? I don't know what the grammatical grammatically correct way to say that is, but you get what I'm saying. So Tom says I'm not going to test. If you bring me in to testify, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to plead the fifth. His bookkeeper is also saying the same thing. His bookkeeper, however, doesn't seem to be recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia. So TBD up in the air on how culpable the bookkeeper is. I'm pretty sure the bookkeeper has a lot of shit, and at this point. I was going to say, and at this point, we'll probably turn on Tom, but what benefit does it give David Lira, Keith Griffin, or the bookkeeper to even turn on Tom? Because again, they can't reprimand a lawyer that's not of sound mind. So at this point, it really looks like Tom Girardi is just going to sail off into another ding-dong ditch and, you know, be fine playing this pretend amnesia card or potentially, you know, having Alzheimer's and dementia. Whether or not that's real, I've had my doubts. I don't fully believe that he's as mentally incapacitated as he's claiming to be. We know on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Erica is kind of alluding to that. My impression of her kind of bringing that up, it sounds like, and this is where I think it actually may benefit her case, um, is it sounds like she thinks that all of these, you know, all of this scandal is recent and that, you know, it was only in recent years as he was starting to have this mental decline that that is what led to him not paying clients is maybe he was forgetting, maybe he was, you know, tripping, maybe he was whatever. But she it seems like she seems to believe based off of what she's revealed on the show. It seems like she seems to believe that his mental capacity issues and awareness and memory were starting to affect Tom to the point where he wasn't paying clients. Whether or not that's true, whether or not you want to believe her, that's neither here nor there. But that seems to be the position that she's playing in the show currently. We're now seeing that the LA Times article is dropped. The women are reacting to that. That's apparently going to be played in further. Apparently there's going to be a scuffle in this Meeting That Sutton has called at Dorit's house about Erica and her concerns, which I think is very valid. I think for Sutton, like it's valid to be like, hey, I don't know her that well, but this doesn't look good. How does this may potentially affect my business in the future or currently? You know, I think it's natural for Sutton to have these questions. I think a lot of the other women are having those same reservations at that point in time. They're just not fully vocalizing that. But I'm pretty sure there's that trepidation amongst all of the women at this point. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how it continues to play out. We'll see what happens to Mr. Tom Girardi. Regardless of whether or not he'll get away criminally, I think he's already gotten, you know, the the brunt of his ego being bruised by the fact that he's no longer the top lawyer. He's lost control. He's lost power. He's lost notoriety. He's lost the clout that he once had because not only is like he does not not only does he not have that now, but everything he's done over the past three decades has now been invalidated by the fact that there were several instances where he wasn't paying clients money. So he the house of cards that he had has officially crumbled. And I think that's more crushing to him is the loss of his reputation because you see he was bragging about all the the awards that he was getting he was bragging about all the magazines that he was featured on he loved being this big bad powerful attorney he loved having all these other women that he was paying for plastic surgery for and taking care of and you know they would be arm candy for him because he was able to provide that lifestyle for him erica jane included so yikesies Okay. Real Housewives of New York news. So apparently the rumors that we've been hearing or a lot more of them are seemingly true. Now we know Ramona has denied in some comments with fans of Ramona. She's denied that she's been fired from the show. She says that she hasn't been fired. And like I said, I don't think anybody has actually been fired or offered any contracts. It's too early into this season for them to even think about casting for next season. And it does seem like they're planning on taking a bit of a pause the same way they did with OC, the same way they may be doing with Dallas, the same way it looks like they're doing with Real Housewives of Atlanta. They're taking pauses in between these shows to really make sure that they're getting the formula right. I think they've gotten a little sloppier with casting in the past couple years, and that's why, you know, they need to have more of the attention on all of this the rumor about um produ- or the rumor about the network taking over casting away from the producers and from Andy that's not true i believe i broke that down on the instagram live too last week Where basically the hierarchy of how these shows are run are the producers are the ones that are kind of on the field. They're the ones that put together the Bible of the storylines and the directions each of the women's lives are going to be playing on, on the show individually and collectively as the season unfolds. They're the ones that do all the interviews with all of the housewives prior to the season's filming. All of that information that's collected in the Bible is then passed up to the executives. Those are the people like Andy Cohen. They review it, they look everything over, they give some notes, the producers make edits, and then it goes up the chain until it hits the network. The network is the one that has final say on everything. So ultimately, they have final say on casting regardless. That's not really anything new. The brunt of the of the legwork is done by the producers, and then you have the executive producers, which are Andy Cohen, who give feedback, but they're not really the ones that are making a lot of the big heavy lifting decisions. And then the network really just kind of reviews and is like, yay or nay, pass or, you know, or move forward, green light. So... The rumor about them taking casting away from Andy, Andy doesn't have sole control over casting. He's part of an executive team that is allowed to weigh in on casting decisions, but doesn't have absolute say. He's even been open about that. There have been like Tinsley Mortimer. He didn't want Tinsley Mortimer cast on Real Housewives of New York, but she ended up cast on the show. He didn't want Bethany Frankel cast on Real Housewives of New York. She ended up on the show. So he doesn't have absolute power as it is. Nor do the producers, nor does, well, I guess the network sort of does. They have final say. So that's just kind of how that hierarchy works. That rumor isn't true. But apparently, the rumors about the reunion are true. So it looks like the reunion for New York should have been happening by now. We're halfway through August. I would imagine we have until, what, August, September. I would imagine the season wraps by the end of September at the latest early October. What? Let's see what number of episodes we're on currently. But I mean, everything is a little up in the air with New York right now. Ramona doesn't appear to be fired. Nobody, neither does does Ebony or Leah. Nobody seems to be fired, but nobody has been offered an official contract. But again, that's not un, that's not uncommon. That's something that typically doesn't happen until. The reunion has been filmed, and after the reunion is filmed is when conversations about casting for next season begin, because at that point, production for the current season has wrapped, and now we start talking about the next season. Doesn't look like there's going to be a rush to do casting anytime soon, but the interesting part is it doesn't look like, or at least right now, they're considering not having a New York reunion, which would be really strange, but... Not only does it look like the reunion is delayed, but it doesn't seem to be off the table that there won't be a reunion at all, which I find surprising, but apparently that seems to be one of the options that's being weighed at the moment. Why that would even be an option is so wild to me. I feel like it shouldn't be that hard to get these women together in a room to be able to film a reunion like most of them are pros this is ebony's first one it would kind of be interesting if she it's her first one it was a terrible season they have no reunion this would be the first time that you know a housewife show doesn't have a reunion which to me is shocking and even if they do have a reunion i feel like it's probably going to come a couple weeks after the finale because usually they take like a good four or five weeks in between the actual filming of The show or filming of the reunion and when the the finale actually airs. Let's see what episode we're on currently on Real Housewives of New York. We do have a new episode this week, but I want to see how many episodes. Obviously, we don't know how many episodes are going to be in the season altogether, but it looks like we are currently on. Hold on. I'm scrolling. Give me a minute. Don't hate me. Okay. It looks like we're on episode 16 currently. Um, or actually, no, sorry. Episode sixteen is the last episode that is in the uh, or listed on like TV guide. But it looks like we are currently on episode being and Ramoning, episode fifteen. So we have episode fifteen this week, episode sixteen next week. Typically, we have about twenty to twenty-two episodes. Last season, we had twenty-one episodes and a three-part reunion the season prior, we had 17 episodes and a three-part reunion. So it looks like we're getting a finale probably in the next four weeks, possibly 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, it looks like, I would imagine it would be a 20-episode season. We know that the COVID seasons have been a bit shorter because of filming restrictions, which Andy Cohen has even talked about. So it seems like we're Five weeks out from getting a finale, which means if there's going to be a reunion, I would imagine the reunion would be happening like this week or next week at the latest. But as of right now, it doesn't seem like there's any definite plan. And like I said, there may be there's the possibility of them not even having a reunion. I feel like that's highly unlikely. But the fact that that's even up for consideration right now is like wildly shocking to me. And I also find it interesting that, like, Ebony continues to talk to the press. She continues to blame producers. She recently was like, well, it's not my fault that the show is sinking. You need to blame the veterans for the show being so bad this season. I think she's played such an important role this season that it's a little naive to think that she has no part in the show this season or no part in whether or not the show was a hit or not. I think she's correct in the fact that, like, ultimately, production, they're the ones that have the full power in terms of or full responsibility in terms of whether or not the show is successful or not because they're the ones that are following the storylines they're the ones that are you know directing the crew as to which things to focus on when filming they're the ones that are scheduling different filming dates with with the women together they're the ones that are ultimately driving the narratives they interview the women and see like which storylines seem hot the network then approves those storylines so it seems like ebony is right in the sense that the network the Execs and the the producers are the ones that are responsible for whether or not the show is successful or not. You can't really put that on the women, but I also agree that Ramona and Luann are really phoning it in this season. I think Sonia is a little unbearable to watch this season. I'm not enjoying her at all. She's really annoying annoying me this season. She's getting drunk a lot, but like also like just annoying drunk, like not funny drunk, not sloppy drunk, but like yelling and just you know. I just find her really annoying this season. So I feel like the three veterans really aren't holding their weight. I think... Leah is doing the best that she can but she's obviously coming off wildly unlikable to a lot of people I've had a love hate relationship with Leah I didn't love her coming into the season she's kind of grown on me a little bit in these past couple of episodes I love that she wasn't afraid to talk about not voting I love that she wasn't afraid to call out Ebony when Ebony was trying to bring up the fact that she thinks that uh, she wanted to make sure that the women on the cast weren't white supremacists or supporting white supremacy and Ebony was like wait a minute but didn't you endorse Donald Trump like weren't you a big Trump fan and you were a fan of building the wall and then you know Ebony was kind of like uh, well my mom voted for Trump yes and that's a hard position that I'm in but she never really addressed her own endorsement of Donald Trump herself which I think you know people are starting to see a bit of that hypocrisy and that's not to say that people can't change or grow and evolve I'm the first one to to advocate for growth and evolution and giving people space to grow but when you look at you know a situation like Vanderpump Rules last year, where you had like Max Boyens and Brett who were tweeting things from ten years ago, and then there's this big uproar, and we're firing them for things that they tweeted ten years ago. But yeah, Ebony's tweets from four years ago that have surfaced, you know, aren't held to that same or even any remotely similar standard at all. You know, I think that's literally like if it were. A white housewife, I think, you know, she would be crucified right now. And I'm probably going to get ripped apart for even saying that. But I just think there are a lot of double standards. And I've said it before. I like Ebony. I just don't think she's a fit on this show. And I think... Producers probably wanted her to talk a lot about race. Understandably, that's what was prevalent in our country at that time. So it was an important conversation to be had. I think the way that we're addressing it on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is very true and honest and organic. You know, we see people like Kathy Hilton and Dorit having these slip up moments of saying things that they don't realize or that they're not aware of, you know, can be tone deaf. You know, like with Dorit saying that, you know, she hires a lot of people of color in her house to make sure that diversity is introduced to her children. Obviously, that was a very, you know, tone deaf thing to say. And Garcelle and Crystal checked her on that, which, you know, I think that was a very organic way to have that conversation and then also have closure to the end of that conversation and be able to ha- to have these conversations I mean we had the same conversation with Garcelle and Kyle at the beginning of the season where Kyle was very receptive and was like I w-, you know I didn't understand how outing you for not paying your bi- paying the auction bill on the reunion I didn't understand how that may affect you as a black woman and I apologize for that and you know I'm willing to move through this I'm willing to learn and like let's have this conversation and then let's move through this conversation. I do believe that Ramona isn't necessarily giving Ebony space to have that conversation. So I think Ramona is hindering it as well. And you can't put the full blame onto Ebony. But I also feel like Ebony's pushing it really hard. And I think there may have been an ulterior campaign or agenda to kind of boost her reputation through the housewives to get her another opportunity elsewhere. I know I've had other podcasters on this show that have said that, you know, they think she would be a good fit, like on the view. I don't see that being, far-fetched from an opportunity that she thought... I mean, we see it happened with Garcelle, and Garcelle ended up on The Talk. So I'm pretty sure somebody like Ebony, that's a really smart businesswoman, thought that this this would be a great opportunity for her to come on the show, have a conversation like this. Whether or not her current values on the show align with her history, I think that's where I've gotten a little iffy and my head has turned a little bit. Um, But I think that she thought that this was the best way to approach it. And granted, to be fair... There was like that was the conversation that we were all having in our country at the time that this was being filmed. It does feel a little forced, though, and I think there was pressure from the producers to push that further, mainly because she was the first black woman to be cast on Real Housewives of New York. They knew that this was an important year and this was going to be an important time to make a statement. You know, and I think there was a lot of pressure from the network to make these big, bold statements. You know, we saw them fire half the cast of Vanderpump Rules. We saw them like taking these big actions. And I think they thought this was going to be part of it and it was going to be received well, which it was. But now we're just seeing that there is a bit of a disconnect because it doesn't feel organic. It doesn't feel like I think Beverly Hills is doing a great job of addressing that. I don't know if New York is executing it at that level. Maybe we do need more women. Maybe we need more people of color on the show. I think it's easier for Garcelle when she has Crystal there and you have two women of color... You also have, you know, the Beverly Hills ladies that are a little more willing to listen and a little more willing to have those conversations um, and are willing to kind of mess up. We saw Sutton mess up in her conversation with Crystal. She's since come out and said, you know, I didn't give Crystal an opportunity to share her perspective or where she was coming from growing up as a young girl that's chinese in in los angeles or in america i you know i cut her off and didn't allow myself to hear her experience but i also prevented the audience from allowing them to hear crystal's experience which is important you know and so i think there's a little more willingness on beverly hills that we're not really getting on new york so ebony says that she wants to come back so it sounds like, but i mean the way that she's shading producers and shading the other cast members and saying that it's basically all of their faults I think that's a little bold considering, you know, she does have such a prominent role this season that you can't say that she's not to blame, but it's unfair to make her the sole blame. You know, I think Leah is also really in the fans really aren't loving her. She's not showing us her best self. So I think it's it's just a messy season overall, which we're all entitled to. We're all entitled to have a messy moment, a bad year, a bad season what happens is how we bounce back from that because New York was one of the ultimate Supremes that is now trickling down. We also got the real housewives of Salt Lake city trailer, which I know a lot of people were excited about. I was excited for the release of the trailer. It seems like Bravo is starting to amp up these releases. They were teasing that the trailer was coming. They said there's a snowstorm coming. They were tweeting that out. So it seems like they're getting a little savvier about when they're going to do these trailer drops. I was a bit underwhelmed. I didn't like, I expected more from the Salt Lake City trailer. I thought the Beverly Hills trailer was done pretty well because they really addressed the Girardi scandal head on in the trailer and have shown us in the original tra- trailer and in the mid season trailer that, you know, they show, they take us through the journey and the experiences and the emotions of the other women as this scandal is breaking. I don't feel like we got that in the Salt Lake City trailer. I don't feel like we even like we barely scratched the surface on the Jen Shaw stuff. And we know that cameras were there when the feds came to arrest Jen Shaw. She had obviously fled, but we got none of that backstory that we know is already in the press. Jen Shaw fleeing, Jen Shaw getting a call and saying she has to leave Um, the women getting interrogated. Obviously, I'm sure there's not much they can show about the women being questioned by the feds, but. I mean, give us some of that. We got like none of that. All we got was like a, a B-roll shot of her leaving when she was leaving, when after she had been arrested, when she was coming out of the courthouse or, or was that the jail? I don't remember if it was the court. I think it was jail that she was coming out of. But like, that's all we got. But we had already gotten that in like photos and B-roll footage of when the story originally broke. So to me, that wasn't really anything interesting. We didn't we didn't hear her talk about it too much. There were really only like two scenes to group events where we see them really even addressing it and she seems to be deflecting and blaming Meredith for the reason that she was indicted. Whether or not that's true, come on. That's like when Teresa was like, it's Caroline and Jacqueline's fault that I was arrested. It's like, no, it was your husband's fault that you were arrested because he was the one that was cheating and, and defrauding the IRS and the lenders. And, you know, come on. It's an- another perfect example of clear deflection. So it looks like it's going to be a good season. I'm, a- I'm curious to see how they address all of the Mary Crosby cult rumors. That seems that was really prominent in the trailer. Maybe that was part of Bravo's tactic was to focus on that because we all already know about the Jen Shaw stuff that we don't want it to be too predictable, but the Mary Cult stuff, her church being a cult—that seems to be compelling and interesting. I think that'll probably be the head of the season, and that's why we focus so much on it in this trailer and in the mid-season trailers, where we'll probably get more of the Jen Shaw stuff. But I want the Jen Shaw stuff. Let me see her get arrested. Obviously, we know they didn't catch that exact moment, but like, give us something, Bravo. I was a little underwhelmed. I was just—I had higher expectations for that. Trailer, and I don't think it was fully executed to the best of its ability. That's just me. That's just how I feel. It's expensive to be meh. Me- eh, eh. Thank you guys for listening to hashtag no filter with Zach Peter. That's me. You can give me a follow at just plain Zach. follow the show at no filter with Zach, join our private Facebook group and get ready for our book club. We're going to be going live every Tuesday night on the Instagram account at no filter with Zach. We're going to be doing our book club. We also do live chats every Thursday night on Instagram. The broadcast is then shared on the YouTube. So join our live chats. They're going to be a lot of fun. If you want to read Dorinda's book with us, Order it this week. Link is in the description below and be sure to get ready because our official book club meeting begins on Tuesday, August 24th on the live Instagram. Order No Filter Wine at nofilterwine.com. Send me your pics of when you're drinking these, whether you're sneaking into the Ubers like me or you're drinking it at the beach, soaking up the last of summer or whether you're in the pool, or whether you're you're drinking it as you're watching the shows, like you're drinking I Stole Kim's Goddamn House while watching Beverly Hills. That's what I want to see. Send me your picks so I can share them. And get ready because there's a new Potomac can that's going to be dropping very, very soon. Very soon. All right, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. Please leave me a five-star review because I love that validation. And I will talk to you this Wednesday with Gigi from Shots of Sunset. All right. Love ya. Bye.